You're listening to The Starboard. It's your Doc Master, Michael Atalano. And my guest for this episode is someone who is involved in producing content across several different platforms. He has a podcast which airs weekly. He also has several album titles to his credit. Most recently, the album For Imagination's Sake by the band Page 99. Welcome aboard, John Nixon. This is a pleasure to talk to you. Wow, thank you. Thank you. It's a fine introduction, too. I got to say, it's fun being on the other end of the conversation now. So if anyone isn't aware of who John Nixon is and his brother, Tom, they host a podcast known as the Yacht Rock podcast out of the main. So it's a discussion uh, uh, about the, you know, that era of music that we love so much. We honor it. We analyze it. We break it down. We love it. And uh, I know that you, Eric, you're one of our syndicators, one of our first syndicators. Absolutely. Now, how many episodes would you say that you're in now? Because you guys have been on for a while. We're in our third season. Uh, the first season was probably roughly a half a season by the time we started. So um, we're probably have two years worth of stuff. We're probably we probably missed our hundredth episode. We should have done something big, but uh, I think we missed that. So we're right around that area. Wow. I mean, that's a lot of work that you put into content, and much less you guys keep it fresh every week. There's always whether it's an album or the wonderful guests. I mean. <laughs> what was the beginning? So let's start with the beginning of the podcast. I know you guys have a musical background. What led up to the podcast? That was Tom's idea, really. It started as, you know, a lot of times we would sit around at uh, either of our houses on the weekend and we'd uh, barbecue, break out the beers, and uh, inevitably we'd start talking about music. And I grew up in the era that we know as the Yacht Rock era in terms of my musical foundation. Tom's a few years younger, so he kind of caught it the second time around. But in general, we talked about our two different perspectives, how his perspective from getting it from the backside, me being involved in music and being in that genre, we kind of just trade stories or trade ideas. And we thought, you know what, maybe we just uh, put a mic up, we record it, we see what happens. Maybe people will want to listen. And it kind of that got the ball rolling from there. And both of you are involved in the music industry in some shape or form, correct? Yes, I've been professionally doing music uh, since probably the mid 90s started as a composer for commercials and film trailers and things like that, which is what I still do sort of as my day job. Uh, I'm a graduate of Berkeley College of Music. So I had that foundation and always wanted to get into producing records. And, you know, it took a while to get there. But now in the last few years is when I've started a couple of different projects. Uh, the main one being this page 99, uh, which is the Yacht Rock throwback to the 70s, 80s sound, as well as I produced Tom's project, which is similar in vein. That's called August Red. And I'm currently producing new material for Yacht Rock legend Dane Donahue. We just did a session this past week. You actually just answered a question I was going to ask, because I know both you and your brother have, because I see your name on yeah. all the credits of yeah. page 99. Now, I wasn't sure how you divided the content up. So first and foremost, in your podcast, when you first conceived the idea, did you ever imagine it would become what it's become now, considering in the beginning? No, because we didn't really have a long-term plan other than we would try to build an audience. Tom works in PR for his day job, so he understands a little bit of how the tendrils of social media and all that work about how you can leverage your position by uh, talking to other people and then they want to share it out and so on and so forth. So he, he knew how to grow it that way. But as he said, he needed me theoretically for the content because the one you know, I'm the one that has more of the musical background, which is kind of understating 
his musical knowledge. But that was sort of the I was going to be the smart guy and he was going to be the uh, sort of the interviewer type of thing. And we didn't really know where we were going to go with it. Uh, we knew we, were, we wanted to have guests on. We wanted to get to some of the big names, but we had to build a certain credibility with the audience before we could really get the big names on. So we had to start establishing Yacht Rock in a, you know, we didn't invent the term or anything like that, as you know, but we wanted to look at it from a multitude of different ways. We wanted to study the individuals. We wanted to study the albums. We wanted to have fun with it. We did a couple of game show episodes. We did tournament episodes, you know, like the NCAA tournament. So every week it's something completely different. As you remember, you know, you were one of our very first guests because with Pacific Coast FM, I think you had a different name for it back then when but we had you on, we had the guys from Yacht Rock Miami on. So were other people that enjoyed this style of music, wanted to talk about this style of music. And along the way, we learned a lot about what we didn't know about Yacht Rock. So that's, you know, the ongoing saga. Right. And it's same here. Same with Pacific Coast FM. Same with, you know, you start off with one idea or a logo yeah. and, you know, it grows from there and you never know where it's going to lead you. And I, it's funny that you said about the Yacht Rock's about how you learn so much as yeah. we all have. So I know some people are scholars of Yacht Rock. There's a bunch of purists and there's all these yeah. different terms that are associated with Yacht Rock. But what I like about your podcast, even from the beginning, is that you examine multiple facets, such as when you went into the Eagles. Everybody, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. New Kid in Town. New Kid in Town. <laughs> so with New Kid in Town specifically, yep. my wife and I were traveling overseas in Southeast Asia. And that's kind of what happened with the Yacht Rock group is we were overseas. I think people thought we were spammers, like what we're starting to get in the group Yeah, now. yeah. So, but we walked into a bar and caught the tail end when they went from the change into the, ah, and I was like, right. what Yacht Rock song is this? The Eagles, New Kid in Town. So when I heard the song, I was like, you know, this sounds like Yacht Rock. And then you guys broke it down, I think the same week. It was kind of a funny thing because everybody comes into Yacht Rock. Well, not everybody, but many people come into it without a full understanding of what it is. And early on, they want to argue for their favorite song to be a Yacht Rock song. And even whether it fits the criteria or not, people want this sort of post-truth world where they can invent their own reality. And they say, well, it's on my boat or something like that. Eventually, you spend enough time really getting into it, you understand that there's a difference between Yacht Rock and not Yacht Rock, which isn't necessarily the difference between good song, bad song. People kind of confuse the two. When you say a song isn't Yacht Rock, they're like, oh, how dare you insult my song? Well, it's not. Now, going back to the um, the Eagles thing, I mean, we all kind of know in our heart that they're not. And I know one of the arguments is that their stuff doesn't have the, quote, jazzy sophistication. And it just happened to sort of dawn on me because a long time ago, I had a book that was the anthology of all the Eagle songs, and I would just sit at the piano and play it. And, you know, I'm playing Desperado or, you know, and these are pretty much your typical Laurel Canyon type of chord progressions. And I never really paid much attention. And then New Kid in Town, I tried playing that, and I could not believe that it went through seven different key changes in the song. And I thought, you know, it doesn't sound like it because of the way it's put together, the way it's structured. So a listener, even myself with a musical ear, you don't catch that there's these seven key changes. So you analyze it and then you realize, wow, there's a lot more going on here than we give the Eagles credit for with just, you know, strumming three chords and, you know, that kind of thing. Right. When you first hear that song, you think it's something like Against the Wind. <laughs> yeah. Now, back on page 99. So okay. your podcast leads up. And then I know you guys came out with your self-titled Page 99 album. Tell right. us about that. 
that was a little bit of a it started as a passion project it really was just an offshoot of another project i was working on with some guys it was sort of a 60s 70s sort of soul kind of thing and one of the other guys in that group we we share this affinity for what we know as yacht rock and more of the 70s 80s thing and he wanted to do a cover or maybe it was my, my idea either way we ended up doing a cover of uh love is the answer he kind of liked the um, Utopia version. I was a big fan of the England Dan John Ford Coley version. So we kind of did our own take on it. And when we were done with it, we said, it doesn't really fit this group that we're doing, which was called the Overnighters. So Russ, who is like one of the, the vocal guys on my album and the vocal arranger said, well, then let's just do a different project. We'll put a different name on it. And that launched the whole idea. Well, okay, now that I'm no longer constrained by thinking like, early soul what if i just did what i felt like doing i mean my whole life i wanted to make this kind of music i love toto i love doobie brothers back in the day but either the timing wasn't right or by the time i had the money or the opportunity to be able to build a studio and do this stuff its era was gone so it coincided with this resurgence of yacht rock and i said well why not just do it for my own fun if anything happens from there then that's just gravy i think you guys nailed it on the sound on there to the point to where I actually like your version of nothing you can do about it the best. Thank you. And that guitar yeah. solo on there. Oh, and to think he had to compete against the original, which would have been Jay Graydon's. So that's a guy named Colton Weatherston out of uh, Philadelphia that uh, he actually lived in Detroit, but uh, that whole album was meant to sound like 1978. That was the goal. I used instruments from that era. I used very few modern quote instruments. I used roads. I used old synthesizers so I tried to stay as true to the era as possible. So let's talk about your personal, actually, as you as a musician, I see you play drums. I see yep. you play the piano, synths, guitar, lead. I mean, I thought for some reason it was you and your brother doing all the vocals. And when I read your credits, I was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, you have the sound nailed down to the polyphony. Like, I, yeah. I, I don't know how to explain it. You know what your music reminds me of? It reminds me of 213. You've heard of 213. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah it yeah, it yeah, just yeah. has that same it nails that same corner that's and so right where i'm going yeah yeah that, exactly. absolutely it's just mind-blowing <laughs> like that you've accomplished that especially with your first album who's right yeah. who's wrong sounds just like pages yeah when we started uh russ who i spoke of was going to be the lead singer and i would present demos of songs to him and i would sing a rough track on it just to so he could hear the melody and learn the song and a couple of times he's like dude man you you need to sing this one i don't really I mean, I kind of sing a little bit, but I don't really consider myself a singer, quote, in the level that he is. He's like, no, man, this hits your voice. And then he played it for somebody else. And that same person said, you know what? You ought to sing that one. Forget about Russ doing it. So I had no plans to sing any leads. But then as the project got out there, I started leaking a couple early singles and other people were hearing it. And then they were coming to me and saying, you know what? I love that kind of style too. I'd love to be involved. So I got a guitar player from Pisa, Italy, Andrea DiPuccio to hit me up. He blazes some great work. Um, another guy that sings, in fact, the guy that sings Who's Right, Who's Wrong is another Detroiter named Dwayne Harlick. And he's got an amazing voice, an amazing range. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a deep Loggins lover you know so he brings the whole kenny loggins thing into it so it's just you know people just want to do this stuff right and your voice reminds me a lot of christopher cross mm, okay so i can kind of hear that not exactly but it's yeah. it sounds like if it's a modern version like you have that crossfire approach mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay <laughs> i can hear that yeah for sure 
for people that don't understand the recording process, how do you go about getting tracks from others overseas and that aren't virtually in the studio with you? Well, let's see. Most of the stuff, all of the vocals, all of the guitar solos and horn solos, anything like that is all done remotely by other players. I handle the drums, all of the keyboard parts. Uh, sometimes I handle programming bass parts. Other times I have a guy that records bass for them. And in general, I will send them a mix of the song without their part, maybe give them some direction. A lot of times on the guitar things, I have specific direction. Do I want it to be a Lukather type lead? Is it Graydon? Is it Dean Parks rhythm? Is it Ray Parker Jr.? You know, what? who, who am I? I have this whole idea in my head of who I want to play each part of the band. I have this sort of fictional band of all the heroes of Yacht Rock that play all the parts, you know, and I just reimagine the part as they would play it. Anyway, I send them these mixes and they do their thing on them and send me a couple of demos back and say, which one of these do you like? And once we agree on something, then they will isolate the track that they recorded, you know, removing my mix from it. And they will send that file back to me through like a Dropbox or anything like that. So it'd be an audio file that I can just drop and line up with my session. That's very important because then it allows other people to virtually be in the studio with you. And which is kind of leading me into the direction I wanted to go with Stay the Night with Christian Gratz. And if people don't know who Christian Gratz is, he's another content producer as well. He has a couple yep. of different projects got going on. But tell us about that song because that song was fantastic too. It's Christian Gratz featuring with Page 99 featuring Andrea DiPuccio. That's how it goes. So, Oh, okay. I uh, thought it was August Red for some reason. <laughs> no, that one was um, mine. Uh I just kind of put the bug in Christian's ear because we we both share a similar area. I really like his stuff. He he was doing more of like a 1981, 82 area. I'm kind of living 78, 79, you know. So I said, dude, you know, we ought to do something together. And he was all in from the beginning. And I said, let's just do one single, just a upbeat, fun summer anthem, you know, just a summer banger. And he said, I happen to have that tune. I have just the idea. So uh, he sent me a rough demo of that. I built up like the drums and some of the keyboard parts. He had some of them already laid in. We kind of shared the the wealth of who would put in which tracks. And then I suggested the idea, even though Christian's a great guitar player, I just suggested the idea of bringing Andrea in because he brings a very different. Andrea plays like he's on fire. <laughs> he plays like his hair is on fire and he is angry. You know, there's so much energy in what he does. Whereas Christian's background is a little more melodic, a little more jazzy. So thought, let's bring in another element. And so that's how that came about. Which leads us up to your current album for imagination's sake. And enter in Bill Champlin. And if anyone hasn't listened to the episode of Yacht Rock Podcast Out of the Main with Bill and Tamara Champlin, you don't know what you're missing. It's such an awesome episode. Mm -hmm. Tell us about how the conversation got started into saying, hey, are you interested in recording on for imagination's sake, or that song, right. or all of that stuff. I heard, I was listening to the Circle Filled with Love album, which is a Sons of Champlin album. I think it's 1975, six, something like that. And that song just leapt off the radio to me, whatever you want to say. I immediately <laughs> was moved by it, but I, I was like, I want to restructure it a little bit. I think we need to double the choruses. We need to do this. And so I immediately had this sort of vision for the song. And... One of the tricky things about it was going to be the rhythm guitar part. This will bring me back to Champlin, trust me. The rhythm guitar part is that single note, plucky thing, you know, that kind of thing. And 
it's kind of a lost art these days. There's a lot of guitar players who can play a lot of things and can really blow your mind with a solo, but the subtle nuance of one of those kind of parts is difficult to find. So I decided, you know, let's see who would from back in the day would I get? And if I could get anybody, I thought, well, maybe Jay Graydon, right? So I reached out to Jay Graydon, sent an email, sent a, uh, a message of some sort, and I didn't expect to hear back. I thought, you know, it was kind of a flyer, but I wanted to give it a few days. While I was sitting there for a few days, I said, you know what, while I'm doing this, while I'm sending out these emails on a flyer, maybe I'll send one to Bill Champlin and see if he wants to sing his own song. And I heard back from him pretty much right away. And he was all in on it. And in fact, he made the point that it's kind of funny. The original single says it was written by Bill Champlin and Rob Moitoza, who is a guy he went to high school with and has known forever. And Bill's like, man, that was a mistake by the record company. I did not write that song. It's not my song. It's Rob Mortoyza's song. But he, he wanted to do it because he wanted to get that song back out there for Rob's sake. So he was in. And uh, there it is. Was that song the building block for this entire album? Or did you have other songs already kind of in the mix? I had a couple that I didn't quite finish on the first album that I was stuck on lyrics and I knew I wanted to get back to them. So those are more of the like Toto sounding songs. When I did for imagination's sake, it sort of set the template sonically for what I wanted to do for the second album. I always going into an album, I like to have a, a palette that I know is going to be consistent from the top of the album to it, to the bottom. And then once I'm done with that, I can move on to the next one and start something different. But that one established that sound and any of the songs that i wrote thereafter all kind of followed that song i knew right away i wanted it to be the title of the album i wanted it to be the first song on there and uh that was sort of the one that sort of stamped everything into place yeah absolutely and great marketing on that by the way the interview wasn't too long ago it was maybe what two months yeah well that was actually before the interview that was what's kind of funny it was that later on something completely separate from that came our way when a promoter that handles a uh, sort of a Yacht Rock tribute band was do putting together a show in Ohio around last uh, Valentine's Day. And he reached out to us and said, you know, we'd, would you like to have any of these guests on the show, uh, help promote our show? And you can come down, you can talk to, you can be, be, you know, go to soundcheck, you can talk to any of the guests. And it turns out that Champlin and his wife Tamara we're one of the performers. And so we were all in. We said, yeah, we traveled down to um, Dayton, Ohio with a remote rig, met Bill Champlin at the hotel. They set us up in a little conference room where we could record that interview with him and Tamara. It turned out to be a two-parter because we went for about two hours. <laughs> and and um, it wasn't until that moment when I introduced myself to Bill that I told him that I'm the same person that he cut that song for. <laughs> so he didn't even know that we were one and the same when he agreed to do the interview. There was a certain part of the interview, especially when they were talking about how the North Earth, Northridge earthquake and like what they were watching. And yeah, I remember like literally it's like almost like we were neighbors <laughs> the way he was saying it. Cause I remember that year. It was oh, yeah, like I'm sure. 94, 1994. So yep. I'm going to go down the track list and we're going to okay. give people a little taste of what each song sounds like. So here's a sample of for imagination's sake.
Let's talk about the only thing that matters. Let's go down the track list and tell us a little bit about that one. The only thing that matters is one of those songs that's sort of a carryover from the uh, first album. So that's why I said it has a little more of a Toto sound, a little more of a rockin' sound. That was one that I had the entire first verse came to me. I wrote that, including the chorus, in 10 minutes. It just, all, the lines just flew out of me, um, lyrically that is. And I even had the first line to the second verse. And then it's as if somebody put up the stop sign and said, no more, you're done. And I, I was just completely stuck. And I continued to feel like, okay, the lyrics are going to come eventually. Got the track all figured out, you know, arranged, got all the instrumentation in on it. And Andrea placed the solo on that one. I'm still stuck on lyrics. But finally, I just, you know, I humbled myself enough to send it off to Dwayne Harlick, the other uh, singer on there, said, you know, any ideas what to do? And he wrote back a second verse for me and it was gold and it was done. So I wanted to save that song because I liked it so much. Let's talk about your next song, Lifeline. Lifeline. That was one that um, sonically uh, follows similar to For Imagination's Sake. So that would have been one of the songs written after that, where I was kind of using a little more of that drier, uh, in-your-face, funky sort of sound. Um, and Lifeline was one that, um, how would I describe it? Let me think here. Kind of think what I'd want to say about it. Uh, I feel like I'm stuck on it now. Well, here's a little sample of yeah. Lifeline. When the weight became too much, I was falling too. The next song up is Indian Summer. Ah, and yeah. so it's funny because that's a term that I've recently become familiar with, even though I've heard it before, because one of my actually we've had a really long winter here in Washington. Yeah. And so we're hoping to have an Indian summer. Yes. Yeah. Well, when you were living down in California, you wouldn't know the difference. So, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. But uh, us northern climaters know that uh, that the term Indian summer is that. Uh, last burst of summer you sort of get that uh, as things start to cool and you feel like winter's kicking in and then like early October maybe you get like a week of all of a sudden it feels like summer again and you know it's fleeting you know it's you know you know it's sort of not real uh, that it's gonna end and so that just kind of became a metaphor for kind of nostalgia um, getting one last maybe um, a glimpse of your past or something like it was just meant to be okay i know this is fleeting but i'm going to enjoy it for the moment that i'm in
next song up is Inside Voice. This is actually probably my favorite song on the track. It just really hits. It's a home run for me. I, I like For Imagination's Sake and I like all the other ones. But this one right here was one of the ones that really just hit home for me. Well, most of the other songs have sort of a shape or a pattern where they build throughout the song and reach some sort of big climax near the end where you've got guitar solo, ad lib vocals, big harmonies, and everything's all going at once. You're building towards that big moment. This one is uh, doesn't really do that. It's much more in the Steely Dan sort of uh, Home at Last or Babylon Sisters vibe where it, it kind of builds a little bit, but then it kind of eases you back down. This was written by uh, Dwayne Harlick. He sent me that one, and uh, his vision for it was like, I found out afterwards his vision for it was home at last, which is why I mentioned that from Steely Dan. And then when I immediately heard it, I then I thought, well, I want it to sound like Babylon Sisters. So, um, you know, either way, we were right there in the same area. We we knew it was a Steely Dan vibe, and that's a great song. And that, the sax playing on that, that's one of those guys. <laughs> He's a New Yorker, even though he sounds like a West Coast player. Like a soft summer rain, I'm here in your inside making me smile the sound of your inside voice has my heart running wild i'm hearing your inside voice it's hard to conceal the sound of your inside voice lets me know that this love is for Next up is Dance With Me. Dance With Me, Mark Jordan cover. Um, I was out walking one day listening to his album, Hole in the Wall, which was one that I didn't give a lot of attention to. I'd kind of spent most of the time with Blue Desert and Mannequin, but we were going to be interviewing him for the podcast. So I wanted to kind of bone up on that one as well. And I'm out walking, get my headphones on. And that was when I heard that song. And I I probably had heard it before, but I think having the headphones on and hearing the vocals in stereo and, you know, that kind of experience it just immediately hit me i love this song and almost like for imagination's sake i could immediately hear what i wanted to do with it and when we had mark on the on the podcast i sort of asked him slyly about that song and i said did anybody ever cover that one he's like no not that i know of and i'm like okay i I think i'm gonna do that (laughs) dance with me i will be Next up is Ticken Away. So this one has that kind of like what you're saying about Imagination's sake. It has that guitar. That... It does. Heavily, heavily uses that. Yep. And it just keeps the song moving. But, you know, this song, I, I had to give it a couple of listens when, and it really sank in. So this is another one of my favorites on the album. This was one of my favorites when I wrote it because um, structurally it's a little bit different. It kind of has a, a chorus and then a post-chorus section. And then a little vamp out at the end, which is a little bit different. I did a sort of a layered synth solo on that one, a la Steve Percaro. So that was fun to do. I'm always urged by uh, the other guys in the band to do at least one of those on the album. They want to hear more of that. I want to hear more sax solos, and I want to hear more guitar solos. They want to hear more synth solos. But <laughs> uh, I just love the way that um, I send this off to Russ to arrange backup vocals, and I don't always know what I'm going to get back. I expect the chorus to be like just stacked with harmonies following my melody, 
And instead, he does this thing that completely call, uh, counters and answers it, which was unexpected, but I love it. It really makes kind of the chorus groove. Next up is another strong contender for awesome song and one of the best songs on the <laughs> album is Can't Stop. Can't Stop. That, uh, you know, another thing that kind of came out of the podcast, we had Peter Freestadt on and I just, I, I was running, I had good luck running in, uh, you know, these flyers of people and saying, hey, would you want to be on my album? And he, he totally agreed. And uh, so I wrote that song and kind of built it out so that we could have uh, a Peter Freestadt featured uh, solo at the end. And he just, Nailed it. He did what he does. I mean, he's just classic, like Graydon Lukather wrapped up into one. And we have three more left on the album. Never Recover. Tell us about that one. Never Recover is the other one that was written by Dwayne Harlick. He presented that to me and he said, I kind of hear a little bit of a Kenny Loggins vibe on this one. He said, what do you think about doing this? This was before he had presented me Inside Voice. So this was kind of his first attempt at giving me a song to produce. And I said, what do you think about doing a Loggins vibe on this? And it just came together really easy. because It's just a a really well-written song. And when he knows what he's going to do vocally. I mean, I think we did two takes on this. You know, he just nails it. I still remember the day when I begged you to stay, but you turned and you walked away. And I never recover, never be the same. I still shudder when I hear your name. Next is Sarah Restless Heart, not by Restless Heart, Sarah right. Restless Heart. Well, we didn't want to confuse people to think it was Bill Champlin's Sarah either. So that's <laughs> the reason for the parenthetical. Um, that was the other song that was originally written for the first album. It never got finished because I knew that I wanted it to be kind of like a Chicago song of the 80s where different lead vocalists would sing different lines. It wasn't one lead vocalist through the whole song. So I wanted to feature all three of us on that. And so we each take turns kind of popping out of the mix, being the lead guy. And that's the first time that I think I really made that kind of thing work. But at the time when I wrote the song, we didn't have the third voice yet, which was Dwayne. So that's why that song got held over. Sarah, could you still love this restless heart? Or have you found another season? But I'm looking for a reason A 
this fiery gale And last but definitely not least is You Owe It All to Love. The last cover. We've done three covers on each album. This time we decided we wanted to do three less obvious ones, lesser known songs or lesser known artists. And that's a cover by Finus Henderson, who was a uh, Motown label artist. Uh, that song, I, I'm not even sure if it was a, it, when he, he did it, if it was a cover, because when I had to look up the writers for that, they're writers from back in even prior to his day. So I don't know the whole story behind the song. I just know when I heard it, it kind of sounds like a David Foster type ballad and it would sound good done with page 99. Don't try to pay me back anything you owe it all to love baby you know it's true it's not in what you say There we go. So there's a rundown of for imagination's sake. Where can we find imagination's sake? Well, it's everywhere for in terms of streaming. So Spotify, YouTube, uh, iTunes, Apple Music, all of that. There are physical CDs available through Amazon. There is also a Japanese issue of the CD done through Peavine Records. That one has an additional bonus track on it. I did a complete rework and reimagining of the Bill Champlin song for imagination's sake on that one, which I kind of kind of ignored everything that I did originally and rebuilt it in a full on 80s sort of drum machine synth, almost like a, a synth wave version of it. So <laughs> uh, it's a complete rebuild. I keep the vocal tracks and all that. Everything else is completely different. Lindrum, synthesizers, just all that crazy stuff. So it's a blast. That was cool artwork, by the way, when you were like, well, no, we're not releasing a synthwave album. But you know what? <laughs> that would be yeah. rad if you did. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Any plans to take Page 99 or August Red on the road? Not really. The The whole concept was I, I'm kind of more like a um, like a Jeff Lynn type of guy. I, I think of the recording process in the studio as the main thing. Some people record the album and, and then they go out and do it live and the live is what matters to them. For me, the recording process, I've always been a studio guy. I've always been a producer at heart. I'm immediately done with one. I'm ready to start recording the next. By the virtue of the fact that the players that included their work on this album are all over the country and all over the world, that makes it even more difficult. I could get other players, but then it wouldn't be to me what Page 99 was about, which was session players kind of like the era of yacht rock bringing in specific hired guns to do specific things right and like when you bring in those other players a lot of the times it falls flat even though it's not something yeah. like look at some of those videos from the 80s when you have someone trying to copy lucather or yeah yeah right <laughs> yep well john it's been a pleasure talking with you i really appreciate your time and yeah, going anytime. through the albums on here and if you guys haven't checked out the yacht rock podcast out of the main Please do. You can listen to it on multiple stations. You can find it on all your podcast places, too. You know, if you want to stream it from Spotify or Apple, that's available, too. And then I know when is it airing for on your station? On Pacific Coast FM, it airs at 10 a.m. 
on Sundays. Yeah. Yacht Rock Sunday, right? Well, you know, it's morphed out because now yeah. the content is, so we do smooth jazz and soft rock and yacht rock all kind of mixed together. So nice. that gives us a little bit more leeway to, to expand on just only playing yacht rock. Cause well, that's what we're doing with the podcast too, is we're, we're going into the uh, yacht and the adjacent territory because we want to talk about that stuff too. Right. There's just so much more and yacht rock is, it's a great, format it's a great genre but there's so many musicians out there that blend over and right cross over too so it opens up our station as well and what happens is your show leads off for the rest of the afternoon yeah well you'll be uh you'll be hearing some less uh yachty stuff coming from us soon so we're drifting out of the harbor every once in a while yes and when they drift out of the harbor purists please don't be discouraged because they will come back we promise (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much john i'm your doc master michael Ocelano. you've been listening to the starboard ahoy polloi <laughs> <laughs> ahoy polloi